Well, we have started a series on the importance of our attitudes. We have had quite a year, and there have been a lot of people who have been depressed and uh, in a sense of hopelessness. Uh, there's been, of course, an upswing, and those who have turned to um, different types of drugs to try to find some relief. And, of course, there's been many suicides and and so we started this series a few weeks ago to look at the importance of the attitudes that God wants us to have as we face the challenges of life. You see, our altitude is dependent upon our attitude. And it's interesting when you look at the attitudes that Jesus shares are to be ours. It's totally different than the world teaches. The kingdom of this world is not the same as the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, at first glance, it's like, really, Lord? This is what we're supposed to do? But I'm going to just turn with me. We're in Matthew chapter 5. This is actually the beginning of uh, Jesus' famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, as he goes through these attitudes. And I believe I'm going to read, verse 5 is the text, but I'm, I'm going to read 3 through 5. So if you'll stand in God's honor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the attitude that you command us to have, Lord. To be meek. And you tell us that the meek will inherit the earth. Something that has not yet happened, but will happen. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. Um, there will be resurrection. There will be newness. And that awaits those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have been born from above by the Spirit of God. And Father, I thank you for that hope. And Father, uh, I, we're just heartbroken over the news of um, Paris's grandbaby, Lord. He's in your, in your presence, and Father, we take great comfort in that, but we know they are hurting. We know they are mourning. We know, Father, um, they're struggling. And Father, I think of your word in Romans twelve fifteen, where you tell us to mourn with those who mourn. And so we join them, Lord and hearts broken. And yet, Father, we know there is an inheritance, Lord, promised to us in Jesus Christ of new, new life, Lord. And uh, Father, we know that there will be a reunion. We know they will get to see this little one that they barely got to know, Lord. That things will be right. And Father, that is our hope. We are grateful in a world that's crazy where answers often seem so distant, Lord, that you are that answer. As Alan's testimony said, you are the truth. And in the truth, we find hope. And so, Father, as, as we look at your word this morning, remind us of the importance of placing our confidence in you, the living one. 
regardless of the need. Father, we pray for our dear friends as they struggle. And we pray, Father, that you will help each of us to see what awaits us in Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray, amen. The kingdom that awaits us, the kingdom that Jesus described through these attitudes is quite the kingdom. I mean, think about it. Those who come in last are first. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Where dying is really living, where losing is finding, where the least is the greatest, where we become rich through poverty, where weakness is strength, and where serving is actually leading. Jesus Christ changed everything and changed the focus from this kingdom to His kingdom. Matter of fact, nine times in the Beatitudes, the word blessed is used and it can be translated supremely happy. People are looking for happiness. How can I be happy with everything that has happened, everything that is still happening? Where can I find happiness? And Jesus reveals the attitude toward happiness. Uh, we started this series, we talked about in verse 3, where he said, Blessed are those who are spiritually poor, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So how do you enter into the kingdom? You have to understand that you are spiritually bankrupt. That what you do is not enough to meet God's demands for holy living. We need God Himself to provide what we alone are unable to provide. We're spiritually poor. But the one who understands that and comes to the mercy of God that's found in Jesus Christ, there is the kingdom of God. Secondly, the one we looked at last week, he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we looked at five different uses of the word mourn in the scriptures. And then we looked at the context of the sixth here that's found in James chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, where he says, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the Lord, and he will lift you up. So the picture here is an understanding that, man, I have broken God's heart. I have sinned not only against those around me, but I have sinned against the one above me, against God. And to mourn, it means to mourn, to be brokenhearted over our spiritual condition, that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And he tells us that once we realize our condition and we run to the one who forgives, there's comfort to be found. And then the third attitude, the one we're going to look at today, it describes meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So what does it mean to be meek? Meekness has often been misunderstood. It is typically being thought of more as weakness than what meekness actually is. Uh, it, this is from Matthew Henry in the 1600s, a Puritan preacher, and he actually wrote a, a neat little 
one-volume commentary that uh, if you just want one commentary, if you don't have a commentary, that is a, a neat little one-volume commentary I would recommend. It's, it's good to have some insight from those before us who have studied the Scriptures. But this is from his commentary, and here is what he wrote. He said, modern audiences, of course, 1600s, we wouldn't call modern now, but to him it was modern. <laughs> he said, modern audiences recoil at this path to happiness. Common sense dictates that people who are meek will suffer insult and abuse, unable even to find some small corner where they can draw their breath. They are lambs among a pack of wolves. We know by nature that we must hunt with the hounds because to be a sheep is to risk becoming someone else's dinner. The worldly definition of meekness is to have no spine. It's to be a doormat. It's to be weak instead of to have courage and strength. It's like the kid that finally got up the nerve to face the bully who had been taking his lunch money, which was $5 a week, when he saw an ad uh, for those who were interested in self-defense, a karate class. But when he saw the price, $5 a week, he said, well, it's just not worth the trouble. I might as well just go on giving the money to the bully because it's the same amount of money. Or the opposite extreme, I read about a 15-year-old year in New York City, and he was mugged by two other young guys, and they were trying to grab his wallet, and he was holding on for dear life, and he was screaming for help, and one of his attackers actually had a gun pointed at him and said, give up your wallet. And he said, no, I will not. And the battle continued. And finally, some people came and they ran toward him and his assailants ran away. And so they asked this 15-year-old, what in the world? That guy had a gun. Why didn't you just give him your wallet? It's not worth your life. He said, because my wallet contains my learner's permit and I would rather die than not be able to get my driver's license. What the scriptures are talking about here is certainly not weakness, but rather it is controlled strength. It is having strength, but having the wisdom when to use the strength and how to use it. It is strength that comes from the control of another. You see, the world says the meek don't inherit the earth. They get ground into the earth. But God has a different definition. The word meek in the original language was used in several illustrations. It, it was used to talk about a comforting fire. You think about a fire in a fireplace, it provides warmth, it provides light. But if a fire is not contained, what happens? It becomes destructive. It can burn the whole house down and cause immense destruction. Or it was used to describe a wind on a hot day. A nice, cool breeze is certainly welcome. Or if you have a sailboat, you need that breeze in order to move the sailboat. But winds can be damaging. Hurricane Katrina and other hurricanes that cause vast destruction. Or another picture is of a healing medicine. Certainly the wrong dosage and the wrong kind of medicine can cause great harm. But the right medication and the proper dosage can bring relief 
and allow the body to heal. So the picture here, what all these things have in common, they are things that can be comforting and can be helpful if they are contained and experienced in the right amount. But too much, and they can become deadly. So the picture here of meekness, it is you have the ability to strike back, but you refuse to get even. It is the power of Jesus Christ in the temple with the whip as he attacks the money changers, but it is the right amount of power. It is the silence of Jesus Christ before Pontius Pilate. That is not weakness, that is strength that he exemplified, the strength of God. One author wrote, meekness is being finished with me. Meekness is dying to me. True meekness is an understanding that for Christ to live, I must die. I must die to self and I must pursue Him. So our verse, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The word inherit is future tense. It is something we do not yet have, but we look forward to having. It is heaven. It is the promises of Christ totally fulfilled. But keep in mind, to receive an inheritance, what has to happen? Somebody, thank you, Robert. Somebody's got to die for that inheritance to be received by an heir. We are heirs of Christ, but ironically, for us to receive the inheritance, I must die. You must die. We must die to self and become alive in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.22, Scripture tells us all things belong to those of us in Christ. But it says, whether it's the world or the things of the future, in Christ everything is yours. So, how does knowing your future inheritance give you confidence? To live in meekness today? Well, it's... It's remembering, it's recognizing who we are and whose we are and what awaits us. It is a confidence in knowing that no matter how bad it may seem to be here and now, that is not the end of the story. It is not the final chapter. But there is an inheritance in Christ that fully awaits us, a new heaven, a new earth, a new kingdom, heaven itself, that is ours through that work of Jesus Christ. So, the question is, how do we know if we're dying to self and developing weakness? Well, three questions up here that I have to consider. First, how do you respond when confronted with the truth? The truth of God's Word. Now, the Bible tells us that God's truth is living and active, and He says it's sharper than any double-edged sword, able to penetrate joints and marrow, um, flesh and spirit. God's, it is a picture, not of this long sword, but actually of a small dagger that's got you by the throat and you can't get away. And that's the picture of conviction of God's Word. James chapter 1, verse 21 tells us this. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth 
and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So this is a picture of meekness. It is not fighting against God. It is not challenging God in some way thinking that eventually we're going to be able to conquer God or get the upper hand on God. It is accepting, humbly accepting His word that's been planted in us, that's been brought alive, that we are able to recognize His truth and submitting before God, realizing His power needs to be our power. His power is what frees us, dying to self, becoming alive in Christ. Question number two, how do you respond when another Christian falls into sin? Do you run your phone battery down? Did you hear about that guy? Did you hear about what happened? i got to make another call. And 25 calls later, is that how you respond? Or do you decide, man, i got to get my rocks ready. I've got to go out and got to let this guy have it. He needs to be stoned after what he's done. How do you respond? How do, how do you react? Or do you prepare a, a pious speech? On how I would never do that or fall into that type of sin. So, how do you respond when people fall? Well, here's what Galatians 6.1 tells us. Brothers, if someone, well, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should, res- should restore him gently. But watch yourselves or you may be tempted. In other words, instead of you know, reminding them of what they already know, why did you do that? Why did you fall? Our heart should be to restore you. It should be, man, I miss you. I want you back in the body of Christ. I want you part of the family that I love and that I know. Restore gently not berate them, not bam, bam, bam with your own words, but to remind them, Jesus still loves you. Won't you come back? Won't you come back home (laughs) to the God who died for you, to the God who deeply loves you? That's what he wants you to do. And then one last one. How do you respond when challenged about your faith? 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, we're told, set apart your hearts in Christ. Always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, too often we want to have answers that are written down and have them memorized and be able to, you know, give just an immediate answer uh, from memory. But God says, you know, just be ready for whatever happens. But be able to share why you have hope, why you're not broken, why you are able to get up in the morning, why you are grateful that there is a tomorrow. Be ready for that. Now, he wouldn't say be ready for that if you would not have an opportunity for that. So God has opportunities waiting for you when you leave this place. Opportunities to communicate your hope. 
who wrote this. Think about it. Peter. Now think about Peter. Impetuous Peter. Right? Peter, the guy when they came to arrest Jesus, what did he do? He pulled out his sword, cut off Malchus' ear. Let me tell you something. He wasn't aiming for his ear. Malchus ducked. I believe it was a where Peter was aiming. And of course, Jesus healed Malchus, put his ear back. But this was Peter. This was Peter who, who responded quickly, not about hope, but about defending Jesus and about defending those that he loved. Out of control, Peter, chop, chop, chop with the sword. <laughs> Talk first, think last, Peter. Running on emotions. But you know what? This gives me some hope, though. If a dude like Peter, who acted before he used his brain, wrote these words, it means I can do the same thing. I do not have to be captive to my emotions, but the Spirit of God can be in control. And that means that I can act in meekness, which is the strength of God under control. So how do we, how do we develop meekness? Well, it is not something that you learn in a, you know, in a course, in a class online. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and meekness, and self-control. It happens when we are listening to God. It happens when we say, Lord, I'm not much, but I'm yours today. Fill me and use me for your glory. And as we do that each day, he develops these qualities within us. And this quality is developed within us. Just like it was developed in Peter. Something happened in Peter's life. Impetuous Peter that first attacked with a sword. He ended up dying upside down on a cross according to church tradition. Did he want to do that? No. But he was under God's powerful control instead of the power of his own sword. And that made all the difference. God wants to work in us so we'll swing the sword less and surrender to the Spirit more he wants to do that work within us but it is a process it is not an instantaneous i have it together it's a lifetime walk with jesus christ it is an attitude that he places within us as we are under his care as we submit to his authority and his watch and that happens day by day and moment by moment as we trust him so he wants us to be like a gentle breeze, a comforting fire for a cold heart, or just the right dose of medicine for the sick. He wants us to be Christ. Let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this important attitude, Father. We are to be meek. We are to be strong but strength that is under the control of the Spirit of God. And, and Father, in a world that's desperate, that wants to know, where is hope? Father, may we be messengers of that hope, Lord. May people see the hope of Christ in us. 
that we don't talk about others, but that we talk through you. That others may know you and love you. That, Father, we might be yours clearly to those around us. Father, do this work within us, Father. And, Lord, of course, it starts first with entering your kingdom. So, Father, I pray if anyone that was in the sound of my voice online or here has not taken that first step to say, Oh, Lord, forgive me. Live within me and give me that new start. Now is the time to do that. This is a great day to trust Jesus for the first time. For those of us who have been part of the kingdom of God for a while, <laughs> entered in sometime in the past, Lord, that constant relationship with you is so vital, Lord. We are so quick to fall back into doing things in our own strength and not looking to your strength. And it's not power under control, it's power out of control. And it's not enough power because it's not your power. Father, may we be yours and may your power be where we rely. So, Father, uh, we have a call. It's to trust you this morning with an altar that's open to come and to pray, but just to do business before you, Lord. What do you want to do in us and through us as we face this week? How will your strength be displayed when we are placed in situations where we want to react in the flesh to let the sinful nature strike instead of the Spirit of God portray weak meekness and not weakness? Father, I, I just pray that you would move among us and that we would certainly trust you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.